Hey witches, I'm Hanny. And I'm Liz. And this is the Witchy Bites Podcast. Episode 31. Yay! Yay! So today we have an interview for you. Oh, yes. Someone called Corrigan. And it's really good. I had a really good time talking to her. Like always, we start off, you know, when you meet someone new and it's a little bit like asking questions back and forth and then we just break into this massive conversation. I love it how that happens. We've we've been lucky so far. We've gotten some really great people to interview and Corrigan was no different. Yeah. So Corrigan is an Australian eclectic witch. Um, Mm -hmm. She does introduce herself. Yeah. And we are just blown away by the amazing people we have in our community here in Australia. So we'll jump into the interview now. We hope you like it. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? I've been a practicing witch for somewhere between 25 and 30 years. It's hard for me to pinpoint, <laughs> um, to, be, to be fair. I was, I was one of those kids that was obsessed with witches, so I don't even know where I started, you know. <laughs> I'm also an artist and graphic designer, and I follow a fairly... I suppose, what would be termed an eclectic witchcraft path. Yeah, yeah. So do you have things particularly in your path that you that you focus on, that, you, that you're interested in? I do. I, I do a lot of work with art and craft. Um, so art witchery is a big part of my practice. Um, I have a, a matron goddess, the Kaliak, and I do a lot of devotional work with her. I do work with other gods as well, but... Um, She's my she's my main girl, mm-hmm. and I do quite a lot. I'm actually a qualified aromatherapist and an amateur herbalist, so I do a lot with herbs and essential oils as well. Mm. Yum, <laughs> yum. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's start with like the art witchcraft stuff because that's sure. something that you don't hear a lot about. So, what got you there? Like, and what do you do? And so I've. I studied art when I was at university. I did a communications degree, but I majored in fine art. So art has been part of my life always. My grandfather was an artist. Uh, it's, been, it's been in the family for forever. So art has been part of my daily life and witchcraft has been part of my daily life for so long. So it made sense for the two to be part of each other. Mm-hmm. So as far as how I work that into my practice, it varies a lot. It might be working in a grimoire and creating beautiful art spreads and art journaling and things in a grimoire or, or book of shadows. It it might be an actual spell. So I might create an artwork uh, that has a particular purpose. So it's sort of art spellcraft. And I do a lot of work, a lot of the way that I show devotion to my goddess is to create artworks of her. Mm, I love that. I love the art, the art spells, like making your artwork into spells. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of That's fun. That's very cool. You can use obviously color, um, you know, magic. You can use a lot of symbols, and you're putting a lot of energy into creating an artwork anyway. So, you know, art is almost a form of spellcraft, regardless. If you add an intention, you know, if it's for a specific purpose in there, you know, it, it's fantastic. 
the amount of um, concentration that it would take would be immense. So mm. I can imagine how powerful it that would be. would be. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I saw that you had uh, created your own Oracle deck. I have. The round mm. one with the herbs? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That one was cool. <laughs> so that's a fairly recent creation of mine. I've done a few Oracle decks for myself now. But I wanted to create something, as I said before, I'm a bit of an amateur herbalist and I work a lot in, with herb magic. And I wanted to create something that had a real connection to where I live and what grows in my garden and, you know, on the property that surrounds me and, and in the, the area that surrounds me. So that was where I started. I had been looking at um, some other art witches and someone had created a round oracle deck with a snake snake sort of symbol going through it and I'm like I love the round I love that that just feels really unusual but it also feels very natural yeah. and so it sort of really for me I thought well oh, that really works I think with the the herbal theme so then I I wrote out all of the I wrote out lists of all of the the plants that I wanted to you know look at and their sort of correspondences and therefore what they might mean and then I just started illustrating and creating the deck wow and how 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 do the readings go with that how do you how are you finding it, it it's really good I'm still like any deck I'm still getting to know it um mm -hmm. because it is fairly recent but obviously because mm -hmm. it you know it resonates with me and, and and my path and because I've created it so far they've been pretty good um but yeah I'm still working with it it's interesting that you're still getting to know it even though like you created it it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's its own entity. Like as soon as it was there, it's, it's, it's itself and you're like, I may have created you, but I still have to get to know you. That's so interesting. It absolutely yeah. is. Because even though there's a, there's a sort of an intellectual understanding of the cards, you know, I know mm. these plants because they grow on my property. I know what they mean to me and I know what they mean, you know, as far as magical correspondences go. But in a reading, you're interpreting for a situation as well. And the cards have their own energies and they have their own things to say. Isn't that the way? <laughs> yes, it's not always what you want to hear. I do love the round um, mm. the round deck. I do I have uh, – it's the Wild Unknown. I think it's the Arch type. Yeah, I've got that one too. Yes. It's round I, as well. I don't have it, but I want it. Oh, do <laughs> the only round one I have – in my possession at the moment and just you don't see many that are actually mm. round which I no I've I've never had one before uh and that was that was kind of fun it's interesting because I don't read reversals in cards myself but it's funny how when you deal around deck there are no reversals but it's sort of weird to see things when they're sideways and upside down and <laughs> yeah I guess that can add like even more like like minute sort of changes to yeah. the way that it looks and appeals and what you notice and and that kind of thing like definitely I find it can add a little bit to a spread when you when you lay down a spread and things are mm. sort of pointing towards or away from each other yeah ah. yeah just a little bit skew like a yeah bit not straight or That's like right. not liking being near something else yeah I love that yeah I wonder if like whether also like time could play a part in that, like you know, if you like, we're doing it with the intention Ooh, of. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of that, but I like that. 
Mm. You might have to experiment and let us know how you go. I think so. <laughs> and maybe that's the appeal of having a round oracle deck of any, of any kind, like made or you make it yourself. It's that it's not just because when you lay square, like rectangular shaped cards, maybe not completely square ones, there's only two orientations, like there's right way or upside down reversed. So, but with a round set of cards of any kind, you can put them in any like it, it can be quite, yeah, like I said, the, the, the minute sort of just a little bit off. Like it could be a number of directions, not just yes or no or, you know, right way or upside down. Yeah. That's, so it, that's, it adds a big layer to how you could read them. That's a really interesting yeah. point that I hadn't really thought about. No. Nice. Especially with the, with the time thing. I'm really, that's mm. really fascinating. It might go nowhere, but it might be it would be interesting to play. I yeah. kind of want to get my deck out now and have a play and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I guess like one of the things that made me really attracted to you on Instagram was the junk journaling that you do. Sure. How long have you been doing that for? Not very long. That makes me feel good because your stuff's amazing. Oh, <laughs> you haven't you. been doing it very long. There's hope no. for me. <laughs> oh, it's actually really easy. I I hadn't really even – I'd heard the term many years ago. The guy that invented it did it literally with junk in his house. So he was using, you know, old envelopes and paper bags and essentially rubbish. Mm. And it's become this whole big phenomenon and I didn't even know about it until about oh, 18 months ago, I reckon it would be. I was watching YouTube videos about taro decks and came across an account called Boho Tarot, which is great. By the way, if you're into tarot decks and she does a lot of tarot deck modifications and really, really great account. And she makes these junk journals to work sp with specific decks. So she uses, ah. you know, papers and, and things in theme with the decks that she's working with. Mm -hmm. And she did a whole tutorial on how to do them. I'm like, oh, my God, I have to go and do this right now. <laughs> yeah. I can understand that. So, so I did. I, I literally, I, I've got massive amounts of art supplies and craft supplies. So I went through all papers and and things, deciding to make to start just to make myself uh, a junk journal. And I used her tutorial to to base it on. She was working with an existing book ex that you sort of dismantle, and then you use the spine as the cover of your junk oh. journal. And she covers the, covered it in fabric and then, you know, you choose papers and you make them into what's called a signature, which is a sort of almost like a, a group of pages and you have several signatures within a book that you sew into the spine. Do you ever, like, make the paper for your junk journals as well or do you tend to use existing books? Yeah, I haven't ever made the paper myself. I've, I haven't done paper making since I was at university, so really, <laughs> really long time ago. Um, but I do choose papers according to themes and I'll sometimes make get plain pages and, and decorate them before they go into the book. You know, I might mm. dye them or marble them or, you know, create some other kind of effect on the page before it goes into, into the book. Yeah. And do you ever, like, imbue them with, like, essential oils and things like that? Or I will usually use some sort of magical oil to kind of anoint the book when I make it. It's particularly if it's for a particular purpose. The very first one I did uh, was for a self-care journal for myself. 
And so I used um, an oil that I'd made for self-love. Oh, yay, yay. Oh, I love that. And so what's some of the, I guess, like processes that you do to like choose the elements that go into your junk, like junk journal, like to make your pages and that kind of thing? It's quite, I mean, for me, I suppose it's fairly intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm the kind of, I'm a Scorpio. I just dive into things. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to do something, it just happens, you know. It's like I can't wait. I can't plan shit. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I just have to get in there and do it. <laughs> so it's pretty intuitive. <laughs> but I, often once I've constructed the main main part of the book, depending on what it is, I might then go back in and embellish that further with a bit more f- sort of thought, I suppose, like it's it always fascinated me because I've uh, what's her name Molly Molly, Molly Roberts on, yes I was yep. going to say Robinson but Roberts yes on yep. YouTube she was the first person I ever came across and her works are just gorgeous but I just I could never make it look anything like she does I think you have to remember every single artist a has their own style mm. b has their own level of competency and that mm. is purely purely just how long they've been at it. Mm. Are, are, people talk about talent, and yes, there is such a t- thing as talent, but talent only, only gets you so far. You have to just mm-hmm. do it. You have to get on with mm-hmm. it. You have to work at it. I mean, I've been drawing since I was a child, and mm-hmm. I've continued to do that throughout my entire adult life. But there are things I'm crap at drawing. I'm really <laughs> bad at drawing people, and that is something that at the moment, almost like a New Year's resolution, I'm, I want to work more on drawing faces and drawing people because I'm really bad at it. And so I tend yeah. to avoid it, you know, but that's really yeah. hard when you're trying to do devotional artwork of your goddess and you really should draw <laughs> people. <laughs> that makes that, that very hard to feel true. devoted, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is like a, a I'm doing apology. that. Exactly. I'm doing this picture for you. Sorry it looks like shit, but I really do love you. <laughs> I've just trashed you, but it's out of love, I promise. <laughs> I would be so all about symbolism in that case. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You remind me of a cat. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny you say that because that, that, is, that is the point. If you're mm. going to create and you want to create for a specific purpose, find a way that works for you. You know, mm-hmm. my, my goddess has animals associated with her. I absolutely can can draw those animals as, in honour of her. I, mm-hmm. I did very, very, very long time ago, I did a uh, – I wanted to do an artwork that was in honour of Athena because I wanted to work with her and her powers of wisdom. And it was a particular spell that I was working on um, because I had an upcoming art exhibition and I wanted to, to utilise, you know, this artwork to make that a success. But I didn't want to draw Athena because I'm crap at drawing people. So I actually drew a still life of a bowl of olives and some olive leaves in a vase because oh, yeah. olives are associated with that her. That would work, yeah. I, can see I could have drawn work. an owl. Owls are associated with her. Mm. Uh, but I did the olive bowl thing and I it went into the exhibition and it was the first piece sold. <gasps> there we go. It worked. It really did. Obviously she was happy with that. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't draw a trash picture of her. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think, though, like your 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 matron goddess would. You practicing drawing her, you'd think she'd be happy. Like, if you're going to draw anybody, she would be the most forgiving, depending on, you know. 
I I would like to think so too. Yeah. I certainly don't get bad vibes from the artworks that I've created. She's not that. And I can feel when she's pissed off with me. I actually have created an Oracle deck that I use just for working with her. And it's actually made from stones that I found on the beaches and properties and in my garden and what have you because stones are a big part of her her mythology and associated Mm. with her. And they're literally just little pebbles and I've painted a sort of a blue background on one side of them and written a word in silver paint. And she's brutal. She is absolutely brutal. It's a really great deck to work with her, but and she gives very, very clear messages through it, but she's brutal. You've got to be ready if you use that deck for what I need. I, I have to be open to being told you're being an idiot, do this, you know. <laughs> that never happens for me. I'm an Aquarius. I can't be told anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know some Aquarians, so, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> uh, uh, I love it. Tell us, tell us about your – you call her your matron goddess, am I correct? I do. And I haven't said her name only because um, I know it's spelled – and I've heard so many ways of saying it. There so. are so many ways of yeah. saying it, like you wouldn't believe. I use what seems to be the most common pronunciation, and that's Kaliak or Kyliak. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first encountered her, it was actually in a, a guided meditation that I was doing to find a spirit guide, probably about 20-odd years ago, maybe more. Yeah, more. And... I wanted a spirit guide. I had this sort of spirit animal that would appear to me in dreams and things, but I wanted a a guide, you know. And so I I was doing this this guided meditation and she popped up. She said her name was Kaliak. She didn't say the Kaliak and she's more commonly as a goddess known as the Kaliak. It actually means hag or old woman in, in Celtic. And anyway, so she popped up as a quite a young woman. And I just assumed, yep, she was my guide. She was this red-haired, you know, young woman. And I worked with her for a little while without realising who she was and was doing some research on Celtic gods and came across the name. And I'm like, hang on. And (laughs) so I I did a bit more delving because there's not a lot of information out there on her. She's a very, very old archetype with a lot of stories and a lot of different names and, you know, each area throughout the UK has different stories and might even have different names for her. But I – so I worked through the research and then she started to appear to me exactly as the old woman with the blue skin and the white hair and she was like yeah hey and apparently she's known for doing that she often also appears to children and weirdly enough the the profile photo on my instagram is a portrait that i have done of her and i had a woman recently who lives in my hometown who we have mutual friends and we actually she really wanted to meet me and i'm like okay that's flattering but I don't quite know why uh turns out that profile photo that artwork she said she encountered that woman many many times as a child and totally freaked her out to see it this woman represented the way I had drawn her that's cool scary but cool I know right (laughs) (laughs) it was like whoa okay (laughs) but yeah very cool 
And apparently she does that a lot. She's very fiercely protective of children, particularly children going through rough childhoods and, you know, difficult things. She often appears to kids that have lost their parents or um, someone close to them. So, yeah, yeah, she's, she's, she's a wily one. She appears in all sorts of guises and all sorts of forms. But, yeah, she's pretty cool. What other forms have she has she come to you in? So the the main two, uh, as I said, when I first met her as this young woman, and then the representation that is you know more commonly seen as an older woman, she hasn't ever come to me in in any kind of animal form. Although I believe she has, she's very much a goddess of sort of transformation and she often transforms into a wolf apparently but I've never seen her that way she's commonly represented as being blind in one eye but I very very rarely see her as as blind in one eye which is interesting because that's a Mm. very very strong part of her mythology and like what kind of things um so you've said that you you will draw to as a devotion to her um what other things do you do together if you're allowed to share yeah no happy to share (laughs) happy to share for I I I do some prayer work with her I know Mm -hmm. I know the word prayer can freak some pagans out because of associations with negative associations Mm -hmm. with other religions but yeah I, I do a little bit of prayer work with her I will often literally just sit down and have a conversation with her it's pretty one sided but you know you get feelings I guess, mm. and that's that's her communicating back. And, I, yeah, I just have a chat. Just like I'm having a chat with you now, I would just literally sit and talk to her. Mm. Oh, that's really um, good. And, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll light incense for her. I'll light candles for her. I'm, I've, I've made oils that are, you know, de- for, for sort of devotional purposes that I'll use in, you know, sit at, just sit at – I have a separate altar for her and I'll sit there and, you know, just sort of commune with her. I'll often – Right. I have a, a junk journal book that I write sort of my personal encounters, I suppose, with her or things that I might write up, things that I've made, things mm-hmm. that I have. a. I actually have a ritual rattle that was made for me, a commissioned from an amazing artist in Queensland called the Kynock Witch. And she did this amazing, and I will use that to sort of almost call her presence in. Um, yeah. And that can be really lovely. So, yeah, all sorts of things. I love that you just sit and have talks with her. I do. I do. I'm, I'm, I, as much as I honour my deity, I don't, you know, feel the need to genuflect and bow and, and you know, be subservient, I suppose. She's another entity and she's clearly chosen me um, as a as a priestess or as a devotee, so she's another another creature. If for want of a better term, I can just have a chat mm. with her. Mm. And I think I think a lot of people when they're trying to find their patron, or in the more traditional term, they mm. think it's it is that more. Well, I'm the priestess or or priest, you know. And mm. they this is a sort of a devotional thing. I have to bow and scrape my knee, kind of thing when approaching them, but it, that's hardly ever the case that I've found. You know, and in my experience and talking to others, no, it's, it's not the case. I think it's a case of, sure, you have to be respectful. Mm, totally. Because you have to be respectful dealing with any creature. Mm. But 
they're they're entities just like we are and want to communicate. Just just have mm. a chat. I do make offerings to her, but I actually don't do that very often. And the thing that she likes the most is whiskey. She's Scottish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> For some reason, I have never thought to make a offering of whiskey to my to my like. I like the, I like the term matron. Like I like that. I I know traditionally patron is is the term, yeah. but I I like the fact that I mean my my work has often been very much based with feminine deity, mm. and I, I you know patron sounds a bit patronising. Yeah, yeah, I found that too, and but it's hard to. To find another term, and I really like matron. If you, I'm going yes. to steal it if I am allowed. <laughs> Please do. I did <laughs> I not invent it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great term. But yeah, my I have never thought to give whiskey, and I think my my matron might like that. Who do you work with, if you don't mind saying? I work with the Morrigan when I'm not. Oh yeah, she'll love to, it. <laughs> to she, because I sit down and talk to her a lot, and it's usually like, why haven't you been doing this? Oh yeah, she's tough. I've yeah. heard. I've not worked with her. It's something that. I would like to, but I'm nervous. It's very intimidating and <laughs> mm. hence I sometimes get growled at, essentially, <laughs> when I have a little chat, as you say. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah, but it was very reassuring to hear that because often I have these big long talks and I don't – it's very informal and so I thought, oh, but that's not real. That's not really working with them. I'm just having a, to- a talk. I'm just – we're just discussing this. That's but, how you work with people, isn't it? Yeah. So why would it be any different with a deity? I have no idea. Personal hang-up maybe. Yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, I didn't have these long big chats, I think, in the early days with her. I was probably a little bit more reverent mm. because I was a little bit more scared. Mm. And there's no need to be afraid, you know. I mean, she wasn't going to – She she has this – icy wand and she can turn things to ice. Incredible mythology. I love it. But she's never gone around and gone, right, I'm turning you to ice. (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen. I'm going to spend all this time getting to know you and, like, choosing you to work with and then I'm going to just freeze you to death. Yeah, exactly. That's totally going to happen. I don't think so. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) And I think that's the thing. I I think some people are very nervous of working with deity because – of the ideas of power and power balances. Mm. But I, my view, and obviously it's just my view, but I think the old gods are feeling a bit neglected. You know, they're, mm. they're enjoying having some attention. Mm. You know, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. And I just feel this might sound patronising in a way, but I feel they're, they're, they're like us. They have good and bad traits in them and if you approach them respectfully, they'll be like, hey, I'll have a chat with you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, not to try and get too uh, in-depth theologically, but, you know, there are various people who will say that the deities are almost like thought forms or they come into consciousness through our devotion or through our belief Mm. in them. And if that's the case, of course they're a reflection of us. Mm. Yeah. So why, you know, why wouldn't you approach them as though they are just like us? Different but same. Different but same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wish I had an ice wand. That would be cool. That would be very cool. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the power. Yeah, I, I would basically free, freeze Australia every summer and I'd be like, yay. And everyone else would be like, what are you doing? Not, no, not, not necessarily down here. I'd, I'd be I, I don't know. You're, you're living in a warmer yeah. place than us. So. I, I hate summer. I really hate summer. So. Liz might not be pleased, but I'd probably be quite okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always in a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wouldn't be if you lived in Adelaide. Oh, I I had a thought, like, because I'm not someone that really works with mm-hmm. deities that much. Like, I I've had cross, like, I've had some interactions, mm. but that's kind of kind of it. How would someone know if a deity was talking to them, and how would they start to try and recognise who it is that's talking with them, and whether it is that person every time? It's a really interesting question and not one I necessarily feel qualified to answer because yeah. I only yeah. have my own experiences yeah. really to go by. Well, how, did I'm gonna park- how did it work for you? Well, as I said, I first encountered her in a guided meditation that I was doing specifically to find a spirit guide. And I think that you can do that. You can say, okay, let's do some sort of meditation to find my deity. But I also think... You know, there's a lot of emphasis and a lot of people out there believe, oh, you know, your deity has to choose you. That's bullshit. Mm. You can choose your deity. I, I personally have, have in recent years decided to work with mm. uh, Kernanos slash the Green Man, uh, sort of, you know, Celtic horned god. Mm-hmm. He's got many names and faces, but um, that's, that's been a conscious choice. That's, that's not me waiting for him to tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, this is who I am. You want to you wanna have a chat? It's me going, hey, I want to work with you. And you get a sense and it's, it's a slow process. Mm. It's, like, yeah. it's like meeting a new friend. You don't just dive in and go, hey, do you want to be best friends right now? I might have done that with Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> we met her first. Wasn't completely <laughs> <out of the show. laughs> You're going to have a conversation first, right? <laughs> you just walk up to some random in the street and go, BFFs, yeah? <laughs> so, you know, it, it can be a conscious choice. Obviously, if you start to notice, and I think if you're starting to notice something very, very specifically, repeatedly, there's maybe a sign from the universe or it may be a sign from a particular god or goddess um, that, you know, they, they would like to work with you. You know, I have a friend who um, wanted, wasn't really looking at all at, at mm. deity. She wasn't really interested in working with deity. But then she was having a lot of encounters with ravens and crows. Yeah. And Word. the name Morrigan <laughs> kept popping up. In your face. <laughs> and I know I've, I've heard... I have heard that the Morrigan does tend to be, I'm choosing you and you have no choice. But I think, you know, if you're starting to notice something, you know, Molly Roberts is a really interesting case. She did a video mm-hmm. on her uh, matron deity. She was she had real FOMO for a long time. She really wanted to find a deity to work with and she felt like she wasn't, just wasn't connecting with anything. Nothing was happening. She wasn't finding them. Um, and she had been reading a book. Uh, which I'm pretty sure I know which book it is, but I'm not going to say in case it wasn't. 
But the main character's name was Diana. Uh. And every single page she was reading, <laughs> Diana, Diana, Diana. And she's like, where's my goddess? My goddess is not talking to me. <laughs> Diana, 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 Diana. She's being yeah. slapped over the yeah. face. <laughs> exactly. Like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, and eventually she's like, oh, my God, I've just realised. Wow, okay. <laughs> and that's her mate yeah. and deity. That's who she works with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it can be as mm-hmm. mundane as that. You know, it's, it seems obvious, but. Well, it seems a little bit magical. Like it's not terribly mundane really, but you have to notice it. You have to pay attention. It's about paying attention. It's about and sometimes noticing. you just don't. Absolutely. Tr- trust me. <laughs> Some of us are dense. No, I I, I think, you know, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) we've all had those experiences. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I have have to say that um, Hannah was talking to me once about the Morrigan and she certainly made her presence known to me and I was like, (laughs) yeah, that was immense. That feeling was insane. I still remember saying to Liz that it was like, for any Zelda fans out there, the giant moon in one of the games coming down with the really angry face or the Death Star approaching you. It felt like it that. It felt like the Death Star. It like felt it was just like descending Star, like just... on top of Liz's house <laughs> and you were this ant going to be crushed. And I was like, okay, let's yeah. break this now. Yeah, we don't you know need what's this. going no, on. It's okay. You. Stop now. Yeah, there. I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, hence the fact she scares me a little and I haven't ever actually sort of reached out to try and work with her which is silly really because if i really yeah, you want won't to be confused, she'll either say yes or no sure. won't she? You know. <laughs> there'll be no subtlety no. about no. it <laughs> but the other thing is it might be yes. no now and it might be yes in tomorrow or in three weeks and that's always the thing so if you approach a deity and they're just you don't yeah. get anything or you get a blunt no go away it might change because mm. they change their minds absolutely i would agree with that Definitely, because I wanted to work with Bridget, Breed, Bridget, however you want to say it, and in my the, the initial interactions I had with her just were flat, dead silence, you know, and I'm like, okay, right, maybe she's not interested. Mm-mm-mm. And I would still honour her every mm. in bulk, and that was as far as it went. And then I, I set up a tiny little altar in my studio, where which is where I both do my artwork and I also it's my home office, so I work from home a couple of days a week. And so I set up a little altar in there, and gradually it felt somehow like it was starting to become this shrine to to Bridget. And suddenly she was starting yeah. to be there and present and. Mm. And I was like, ah, so now we can work together. Okay, now she's she's feeling she does want to want to work with me, and and yeah. it's in fairly minor ways. I mean, mm-hmm. the Kaliak is still my matron, and she's still the daily presence in my life. But when I'm mm. in my studio, I'm with yeah. Bridget. Yeah, she's helping me yeah. do do what I do. Yeah, that's mm. so cool. Where do you like when you're uh, getting the sensations and feelings? Where in your body do you feel them? Like. Mostly mm. if they're a physical sort of sensation, it's mm-hmm. either in my sort of chest or in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. Otherwise, they're more emotional feelings. Yeah, for me, it's definitely chest. Like I feel a lot of – feels like a lot of gratitude gets built up in that in that mm. space. Yeah, so that's like when I'm oh, yeah. like, oh, okay, this is something yeah. outside of me yeah. at the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But yeah, for me, like the more positive feelings are in my chest, the more negative yeah. feelings are in my gut. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. <laughs> like, gut, gut feeling, not good. You got punched in the yeah. gut, go away. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> to just change, I guess, tact a little bit, as we have found in this video and in many of your videos, you have cats that play an integral part oh, of yes. your life. And I assume I do. Your, your practice as well. They're, in, they're definitely in my business all the time, so yes. <laughs> What? Cats in your business? What? I know, right? Who'd have thought? Do you do they play a part in, in your actual witchcraft and your practice? Or do they just voice themselves or? into it when you're doing things? <laughs> More the latter, uh-huh. I have to say. I'm my 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 black cat, whose name is Queen Nefertiti, and if you have watched any of my YouTube videos, you will have seen her because she's up in my business all the time, particularly if there's a camera. <laughs> she loves her <laughs> camera shots. Oh yeah. She's she's such a tart. She really is. She same with people, people that come through the door. She's like, You're here to talk to me, so I'm just gonna sit all over your lap and make you patting. <laughs> no, don't stop patting me. I'm still here. Yeah, so confidence. Do you like definitely. Confident oh, she's confident. A little overconfident. She spends a lot of time on my altar. I think mm-hmm. I'm only assuming it's because a I spend a lot of time on my altar, mm. or because she senses the energies and is attracted. Uh, yeah, it, it could be a little of both. Yeah. If I am about to work magic. Boom, she's there. Mm. Even if she's been asleep for the past four hours in the bedroom or something, yeah. the minute I'm about to do a spell or a ritual, hello, here's Nefertiti. So I do joke sometimes that she's my familiar. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of contention around calling one's pets a familiar yeah. and, you know, whatever you feel, believe, that's A-OK by me. I, I, you know, when she's there, when she's in in my business, when I'm doing spell work, I feel like she's she's there in a positive way. She's lending energy, so I guess that could be, you know, termed being a familiar. The other two cats are less so. Uh, my my two male cats are definitely want to be in my business and want to be sitting on my lap or <laughs> sitting on whatever it is that I'm trying to do. Yeah, but <laughs> but they don't they don't. They're not as attracted, I suppose, by, mm. by the spell work. I mean, the minute I do a – if I want to do a big tarot or oracle deck spread, Nephi has to come and sit on it. <laughs> well, yeah. Lending Obviously. her – I won't say it. Lending her butt <laughs> That's energy exactly to what it. I was going to say, lending her butt energy to it. <laughs> Great minds. You obviously know cats. Mind has come to say hello right at this moment. I used to have a cat that was much like um, Nefertiti who would just come and and as soon as I would start doing anything magic related, even just starting to write out things in my journal and stuff, he was right there. Or if I'd set up a circle, he'd come and sit like right next to it. One of my other cats, Nyanta, he is the opposite. He he gets really worked up on the energy. I have to lock him out, lock him out yeah. of the room because he gets really hyper and he's, <laughs> he once started, like, knocking the candles all over and then he ran up to me and bit my boob in the middle oh my of the and that's I think you've since- told that story in a podcast <laughs> before. <laughs> yes. I, like, I might cut that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just came up and bit my boob, and I was like, "Yes, I had to lock. I have to lock him out now." It's just not. He's not not allowed. (laughs) Yeah, he gets really sensitive by it. Yeah, it's funny you say that, but I I had one that was the same many years ago. I had a black another black cat Mm -hmm. that they they've got 
I don't know what in them. Black cat energy. <laughs> I really yeah. don't. Black, Black cat, cat energy. energy. It's 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 cool, Black but cat it's energy. it's out there. <laughs> he he was the same. He used to you know just go absolutely hyper when I was doing ritual and the same knock candles over and things. It was yep. like no 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 no. We just shut you out of here. You <laughs> cannot be part of this. <laughs> It's like Loki energy just yeah. like coming into yes. us and everything. Yeah, yeah. I've done a couple of healing spells when I've had, you know, animals that have not been well, but mm-hmm. they tend to be sort of the same sort of spell that I will use, you know, for any in, in a person that I'm I'm trying to assist with some healing. Yeah. I do have a cat blessing spell yes. that yes. I've been using for a very long time to sort of but particularly it's good when you, you know, get a new new cat or pet, I suppose you can you know use it for any animal, wildlife. But it's yeah, yes, absolutely, wildlife. Just don't create a connection to them so you can release them. Yeah, that would mm. be. This is why I couldn't do <laughs> no. what you do. I, it just I just wow. have a house of, of and <laughs> wallabies and yeah. I I would too. I it would be overrun yeah. with just animals. It would not be good. But yeah, no. So blessing spell, very very simple. Two candles, a white candle to represent the animal and a gold or yellow candle to represent whatever entity or deity you might want to associate with with pets. I tend to go for Kernanos, but I've also in the past used Bastet for cats, being a cat goddess, but whoever you you feel comfortable with working with. And it's, it's essentially just, you know, you light... The candle for the the deity and in, invite them into you, into your space. Light the candle for the animal and ask the deity to bless them with a long life and good health and etc. etc. Make them protected and and if you can, if it's suitable, you can have your animal in the ritual with you. If that's not appropriate, that's okay. And then, you know, thank your deity and, and off you go. And it's something that you can do just once when you first get your animal or you could do it on their birthday or adoptiversary or, you know, whatever might be a significant date. Um, the other other one that I haven't used recently because all of my cats are indoors, but when I had cats that were indoors and outdoors and they wore collars, mm-hmm. I would charm a charm to hang on their collar, again, for mm-hmm. protection and health and, and what have you. Yeah, that's a great idea. I particularly love the um, the blessing because I really could do that with wildlife. Yeah. Like, um, because I do want them to have a good, long, mm. healthy life out in the wild, away from me, preferably like in a yeah. natural environment. <laughs> yeah, because I want them to yeah. be wild. In saying that, I still go and check mine that are at the bluff that I released two years ago, and they still come and of say course hello. You do. <laughs> but yeah, I would, um, I would definitely see how that would be really useful. Mm. Yeah, I can see that working really well, especially almost you could do a um, do it as a spell that you do when you do, do release yeah. them. Yes, yes, oh, yes, because I'm getting close. I'm getting close to releasing two of mine, so that would be perfect. Yes, if my joeys are sick, I do sometimes make um, witches' bottles for them to try and, like. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, whoever buys this house one day will <laughs> unearth a bunch of bottles in oh, my, <laughs> if they my goodness. the garden. <laughs> Whoever, whoever one day has my house is just going to go, what the hell? <laughs> Same with my mother's house. There are so many animals. Liz here, interrupting the podcast just to insert a trigger warning. We started talking about our deceased pets, which may be a trigger for some of you. 
And we also talked about magic with our deceased pets, including ashes. So if you don't want to listen to that, then we completely understand. Please skip ahead eight minutes and 16 seconds now. Pets buried there. Yeah, they all came home and they all got buried in the backyard. There's a lot of them now. She's finding them and going, who is this? I, I, I'm way worse than that because I, I have a friend who actually manages a pet's um, cremation mm. service. Oh, cool. So all of mine get cremated, but then they just sort of sit in the cupboard and I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> I can understand that. I've only cremated so. two of mine and they sit on on my altar. <laughs> I have an yeah. altar. I, I've, I've had four. <laughs> One of the biggest problems that I have is two of those were when I had dogs, I had Irish wolf big dogs. <laughs> well, they also create a lot of ashes. Because they're big You've dogs. got a bucket yeah. full of it. Exactly. So where the hell do you store them? I mean, you know, first world problems, I guess. But well, I don't know. I've never cremated a pet, and people people might not like it. But um, yeah. yeah, they um, might not. I and I'm sorry if either of you two don't. But I'd probably use them in spell work. Oh, I I would totally be yeah. yeah. I've often thought about using yeah. the ashes in spell work, but I don't quite know. And you'd have for to, what. in my mind, you'd have to be really careful because it'd be to me it'd be really. You know, this is a spell that's now connected to my to my animal, so it'd have to be something that absolutely I would, you know, it'd be guaranteed to work or yeah, do whatever I wanted. So yeah, I, I'd have to choose it very carefully, but I would. I think that could be really interesting. Mm. I I definitely like the idea, and I, something I've, it has crossed mm. my mind, but I've never really sort of been able to pinpoint what that might look like or what I, that I might be. I was also be. thinking because I've been thinking about it for her over there that I would make like a an amulet or or something very small with a little bit of the ashes to wear. You can <gasps> buy and, them, and then I'd keep it with me, and it'd yeah. be. There yeah. are, but I, I do resin work mm. and that would be – you could easily put a pinch yeah. of ashes yeah, into yeah. a resin piece and make it into a necklace yeah, yeah. or a That's, whatever. That was where I was sort of going with it, like that kind of thing. Ooh, and I then like you always it. have them close to your heart because that's what I was thinking. Yeah. That's what I do. Yeah. So I actually bought one of the necklaces Ooh, that you put yeah, the ashes yeah. in. Yep. And But I stick it with herbs mm-hmm. and stuff so that I yep. can – like if I want to carry a spell, but I don't yeah, want an yeah. ouch, you know, in my bra yeah, or yeah. something that I can just stick yeah. it in there. So so they do exist and you can't do it. But, yeah, I love the yeah. resin idea as well because it's less likely to yeah. break or fall Yeah, and you don't not going to have ashes spilling everywhere. Yeah. It, would be, it forms an integral part. And, again, you can add herbs mm-hmm. and things to because I do a, a bit of um, – you know, I'm, I make big sort of generator crystals mm. with various herbs inside them to use in, in spell work or as a focus mm. for, you know, um, crystal yeah. roots and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I can understand people being quite upset about it. But for me, I think it's a really interesting idea. And it, if it's done very, very carefully and mm. consciously, it could be really oh, powerful yeah. and maintain a really powerful yeah. connection with an animal it's interesting because i think you know now i'm thinking about it the one animal that i actually feel like i might really want to do that with is the ashes of my cat Frodo oh, yeah but i feel his presence in my house all the time yeah. his is the only only animal presence i've ever felt really after 
they've departed. So he's still hanging around. I feel his tail brush yeah. against me sometimes. Oh. Yeah, no, he's the only one. I, I you know, neither of my do- sadly, I'd quite like to have ghost dogs around the place because I don't have real dogs around the place. You might but, have to ask yeah. them. Um, maybe I should. Mm-hmm. Maybe th- maybe that could be a way of using their yeah. ashes to try. Just make and, sure you do want it because you know. if they answer. <laughs> You'll be stuck with them. <laughs> this is a good, yeah. good point. Got to be sure. sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, like- yeah, wolfhound help is not always helpful, <laughs> especially if it's an Irish wolfhound. They're just so, such big dogs. Well, they are. They are. I really and, want one. Uh, <laughs> I have. The, oh, they honestly, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have anything oh. else now. Mm. Um, it's one of the reasons why I don't currently mm. have a dog because. I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to again. Not that it's to bad. The it, yeah, size. Yeah, it's a big commitment. No, but also it's a big commitment for a very short lifespan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of my I've had two and one lived to be six and one lived to be seven. Which is still actually pretty good, isn't it? Like that's a sort of a shorter but normal. Yeah, it's about, yeah. It, that's about, it's about yeah. average. I did once meet a guy who had one who was 12, but that's like really unusual. You know, that's like a cat that's 30. Yeah, wow. I think we may have met a guy in Ireland who had one that was 10. Mm. Yeah, I've heard of them getting to 10. I think that's less likely than yeah. it used to be. I think the what as often happens with inbreeding in you know pedigree animals is that they actually, it actually shortens their lifespan because when I first started when I first decided I wanted a wolfhound I was only about 16 Can and I like- read about one in a book and I was just like I have to have one of these. And I remember reading that their average lifespan was about 8 to 10. Mm, 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 mm. And then when I was actually in a position as an adult to have a wolfhound, it was 7, you know, was average age. And both of mine lived to be around the 6, 7 years old. So um, I think, they, you know, they say 5 to 7 is normal. Yeah, that's, wow, that's, 5 that's, now. Gosh. It's not a lot of time that you get to spend with such amazing creatures because they really are the most incredible dogs. Anyone that's ever known one will say they're mm. special. It's funny because when I had to have my first one put down, Fergus, he, I took him to the vet and, you know, the vet said to me, you're going to think that I say this to every person, but Fergus was actually really special. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm mm. sure. And he goes, no, I actually really mean it. You don't meet dogs like Fergus. Because they're they're just they really are such special creatures. He had a whole fan base. We used to take him to the local farmers market, and he would. I, I, I went with a friend once, and she's like, "It's like walking through somewhere where there are celebrities." Yeah, with the this person. is insane. <laughs> yeah. So people, are like, oh, Fergus, oh, they weren't, weren't there to talk to me. Just, just, just to my dog. <laughs> hey, I was proud. My dad was was the worst. He was like the proud grandfather, and he'd be like. I'll take him, you know, we'll be in the farm. I'll look after him. And he, oh, yeah, and he'd be answering all these questions about him. So proud. <laughs> so glad. So cute. Just making me a bit yeah, sad. Yeah, I, I, I could see you getting a little bit sad. Yeah. I had a uh, great Dane that didn't, you know, same same issue. Yeah. He's one of the ones that's mm-hmm. on my altar. <laughs> I understand that. And, yeah, he got to six it's, it's not long just, enough. It's not long no. enough. It's not long no, enough. No. And that was, you know, I, I recently um, had a friend contact me saying, oh, I, I bought this thing for you like years ago and forgot to send it to you. And she sent it to me and it was actually a, a portrait of my oh. wolfhound Lucy. Uh. 
And of course, it's been like years, yeah. but it was still yeah. too much. Yeah. And that that's what I was going to say is that with the the ashes, everyone assumed that I would scatter them somewhere. But I have not felt like if I, I feel like if I scatter them, say, on my property or at the time it, I was living on my parents' property, that if I leave, I've left them. Yeah. I do I, feel like that I too. can't do no. that. They have to, I, yeah, I just yeah. can't do it. Hmm. So that's why they're still sitting in plastic tubs mm. in my cupboard. Yeah. And I don't know if wolfhounds are the same, but they just, like Great Danes, they just want to be with you. Oh, that, if they're not touching you, then they're not alive. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that that idea of them being away from you is just even yeah. more. It's impossible. That doesn't, you know, it's not about, it's not yeah. what they want. No, yeah. I can't do that. I can't do it to yeah, either of them. Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't expect no. to cry today. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. I had any chance to talk about my mochi mui. Uh, I think it's been three yeah, years. That's not long. Yeah. Uh, long enough that I shouldn't still no, cry, but no. I do. <laughs> uh, no, no. It's, look, it's perfectly understandable. I cried not very long ago about a cat that I lost like 10 years ago. Who literally ran away? Like it's, it's, it's they are part your, of your life. Yeah. It's not to me. They are like my children. I don't have children. Children. Same. And that's totally mm. fine by me. That is not something that yeah. has ever been part of my plans. But they, my animals are absolutely my children. You know. I got personally offended when the Pope said people who have children, like animals, instead oh, of children, are yes. you know like what? Yeah, <laughs> Liz is sticking out her fingers. Fuck yeah, the Pope. I will leave yeah. that in the podcast. I was very angry about the Pope for saying. Well, I that. must admit when I, was I, offended. I, I went, I was offended as when I went to a church school to hear that animals didn't have souls. Yeah. I'm like, I learned that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they do. I remember when I first yeah, they I heard do. that from a te- like a, a religious education teacher. Same and here. I yeah went home to my mum and I was like so upset about it. And she said, that's not true. Just ignore them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. Yeah. You know that's not true. And that was it. I was like, okay, screw you, church. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, I, I was the same. I was upset when I heard it, but I, I grew up, although I went to a church school, I grew up in a household where my, my father was a scientist and very much an atheist. You know, there was, you know, if you couldn't prove it with science, it doesn't exist. So, you know, which, I mean, it's surprising, I suppose, that I ended up as a pagan. My mum... <laughs> My mum was not hard and fast about religion, but I think she always sort of believed something. Um, but I didn't grow up in a household where we went to church or talked about God or, you know, that just wasn't part of my life. But I went to a uniting church school, so right from, like, year one. Mm. So it was part of my education. Yeah. And so when I hear, heard something like that, it was like, because uh, then I'd go home and mum and dad would be like, ah, no, nah, it's bullshit. You know, dad would be like, yeah. oh, what, what? No such thing as a soul anyway. <laughs> but then. because they haven't proved it with science. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but then, you know, I had this dichotomy because on the other hand, I had my mum who, as I said, I mean, again, she'd gone to a Church of England school um, yeah. and had grown up with that as part of her life but not a strong part. But mm. she also, she was a kindergarten teacher and she mm. taught 
both my brother and I and the kids that she taught about pagan origins of Christmas and Easter. Oh. So I Your grew- mum is a yeah. legend. I know. I grew up with this knowledge of, you know, Yule mm. and not she didn't call it Ostara, but mm. the fact that it was springtime and, it, you know, the symbolism of the eggs and mm. the chicks and the rabbits and the, all of this sort of yeah. stuff. And found that, you know, and it's no wonder that I ended up being a witch um, because <laughs> my brother as well. Oh, I'll, I will tell you a really hilarious story. So my brother and I both had this same upbringing. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, and I had been interested in, you know, things of a sort of new age nature. you got to remember I was sort of a child in the late 70s, early 80s, teenager in the late 80s, etc. So new age was, it was pretty big and anything sort of a bit esoteric and a bit occult and a bit different, I was into. I think I bought my first book on yoga when I was eight years old, that kind of thing. So obviously it was a fairly natural progression to discover paganism and witchcraft and I, you know, became a practising witch, as I said, somewhere in my late teens to early 20s. Mm. And in 1990, I want to say 97, 98, it must have been Fiona Horn's book, Which A Personal Journey, came out, right? Yeah. And I bought it <laughs> because it was one of the few Australian yeah. witchcraft yeah. books and it was like, whoa. That was my first book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> So I loved it and I'm reading it and I'm devouring it and I get to the chapter about, she talks about libations and she talks about, you know, magical booze and drugs and Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And she's talking about her friend and mead maker and there's my brother's name. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just like, what? (laughs) WTF. Yeah. Let me commune with my brother. <laughs> and, yeah, it turns out he had been a practising pagan and Pictish witch for some years, mm. since the, the mid-'80s, independently of each other. We were pagans together but apart. Together but apart. <laughs> and I needed to find out by reading a freaking book. <laughs> love this so much (laughs) it was it was insane and when I I finally kind of went hey bro what are you um, doing over there (laughs) what would be this shit what is going on um and yeah and he he's he's not really practicing anymore Mm. but his belief system remains intact and occasionally Mm. he will actually come around and we'll you know, celebrate a, a Sabbath together or, nice. or something. Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. And, you know, he when I sort of make him magical little charms and things, he's like totally into yeah, it. Yeah, like know. he gets it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. yeah, 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 he does. So. I love that it's in the family. Like, I love that you yeah, have that this cool. like relative that you can have these open yeah. conversations with. It's great. Maybe a few years after. <laughs> many, many years after. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, I, I can't imagine how it might have been if we had discovered it at the same time. Mm. And I, I guess we're five years apart, mm. so there was a, the, the age gap also created a certain sort of you know, we're much, much closer now as adults than mm. we were mm. as younger people, yeah. as often happens yeah. with, you know, a bigger age gap mm-hmm. between siblings. So that's probably also part and parcel of why. But, mm. yeah, really interesting because when we did discover it, suddenly we can, you know, we were able to talk about it and he would tell me about, you know, 
he, he nearly nearly joined a coven but decided that they were all a bit too spooky and it wasn't for him. But he was like, oh, but they've got this shop and you should go out there. And, you know, like it was really great to, to have someone because especially back then when social media didn't exist, um, mm. websites barely existed. Mm. And, mm. you know, I didn't, I don't even think when I first started out at this sort of stage, I don't even think I had a computer. Mm. So I wasn't in chat rooms or anything like that. So it was just phenomenal to find someone to actually talk to about this Let stuff. They were that Let alone it be someone yeah. that was my, yeah, my brother. And it was like, <laughs> wow, this is really cool. Yeah, wow. And not only that, but I'm like, how do you know Fiona Horner? Are you her friend? Oh, my God. Because <laughs> you know, I was so fangirling at the time. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was kind of crazy too. But, yeah, you know, I mean, things are so different now. And, and I think, you know, young witches coming into their practice now they just have so much available to them that it blows my mind and it's like wow this is so cool you know I I find it cool even now 30 years into my practice you know to be to have access to all this stuff it's just this is so cool hear a term or or you find out something it's like I want to know all about that and it's all just there in the computer there yeah I know. And it, yeah. it's funny because, you know, I was talking earlier about, you know, the fact that I'd probably be described as an eclectic witch. You know, when I when I started out in paganism, it, it, you were a witch. You were usually Wiccan. There wasn't yeah, all these wasn't terms that are used nuances. nowadays. The, there was no nuance know, yeah. to it. The, the labels. Yeah. and No, it wasn't. It was just this yeah. is what you are. And every even, even Wiccans, they were all eclectic because it, there was very much that pick and choose your deities out of every pantheon. Mm. Um, yeah. you know, it, yes. it, it was definitely not, a. it was definitely, there was some issues, mm. some problematic mm-hmm. areas, but it was all a, a learning curve for us. So, you know, and it was what it was back in the day, but these days, you know, I'm, and I see all these amazing specific terms for witches, which I think is a lot of fun, but it's a really interesting way I find to find people who have the same interests and knowledge and, and things that you might be interested mm. in. You know, if you search, like I, I, I obviously use hashtags on my Instagram and what have you. It's a great way to find people doing kitchen witchery, people doing green witchery, people who are actually doing art witchery, mm. which, as you said, it's mm. not that common. Mm. And, I, you know, the things and the people that I've encountered and contacted and, you know, formed friendships with and learned from. It's amazing what's out there if you just type in the little words mm-hmm. into your computer or your phone. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I think like almost like the whole need to to not plan, that's not quite right, but like if you pick up a herb and you take it home, you can just look it up like straight away and Absolutely. find out, oh, yeah, this will actually be useful. Or you can do it in the shop even. Like- you can. Whereas, you know, back in my day it was Scott Cunningham's book on, yeah. on herbs yes. and that was yeah. it, you know. Yeah. yeah. If you could get a copy. Which, to be fair, I, I will be honest, I still use it every day. You know, it's my go-to. But, you know, I, I'm working on this giant herbal at the moment and – it's one of my resources, mm. but it's not my only one because I have the internet. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. fantastic, as well as my own personal practice yeah. and my own personal connection with plants. But it's the internet is there, and it's not just for the magical; it's also for the medical. Mm. And you yeah. know, you can find out pretty much whatever you want. Mm. You've got the, the world's knowledge at your fingertips. It's incredible. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. It's really amazing. I think one of the things that you see people talk about a lot is misinformation that's out there nowadays. Um, obviously, that's important to Hatter and I yeah. as librarians. Um, oh, don't get <laughs> <and> me started. And <laughs> <laughs> just being able to discern what's good information and what's bad mm. information. And that can be challenging, but I think generally if you give it a go and it doesn't work i mean ingesting herbs yeah maybe don't do that as an aromatherapist i will tell you the misinformation about essential oils actually starts to boil my blood i get quite angry because a it's potentially dangerous yeah, yeah. but it also goes the other way in being potentially freaking people out unnecessarily yeah, yeah. Putting you know Putting yeah, them off, even, even looking yeah. into it, touching it, finding out about it because they're so scared they're going to poison themselves or, you know, because the misinformation that's out there is is very hard to sort from the real yes. information. Knowing what good sources. Yeah. yeah. Particularly yeah. I think these days now that, you know, I'm, I'm really loving the fact that witchcraft and, and what have you is becoming super, you know, popular and therefore there's a lot more information there's a lot more books being produced physical yeah. books mm. but there's not a lot of fact checking going on no 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 so again just because it's in a book yeah doesn't mean it's real yeah yeah and i mean you know i i've there's some really great books out there at the moment but it's hard to know which are the good ones which yeah. are the bad ones you guys yeah. as librarians would be seeing that across the board with every every topic. Yes, yeah. It's it's very interesting when we're trying to research for the episodes and you just see that everyone's copied and pasted the same Often information word over word. and over and never attributed. Yeah, yeah, yeah copy, and pasted, copy and pasted. And it's not properly contributed to the right person or any of that stuff. So it's just horrific really. I, I see that a lot too, something that really annoys me as, a, as someone who is an artist and who I have also have a, my, another Instagram account that is purely my interior decor. Yeah. And it has a bit of a following. I, I mean, I, you know, I don't have millions of followers or anything, but there's about 50,000 followers. So it's significant and people steal my shit all the time. Yeah. yeah. Or they just repost it without bothering to say, this is who yeah. created it. And and I, I'm a real stickler for copyright infringement, particularly yeah. in the work that I do as yeah, well. Because as it should be. I you know, the I work in marketing, I work in graphic design mm. and, and again people will just steal shit from the internet. And often they are under the impression that that's okay. Yeah, that always so blows that, my mind when people think it's okay. I know. It's on the internet, so yeah. I can just take it and use it. I access yeah. it for free, which means I'm allowed yeah. to do whatever I want with it. No. <laughs> I did a Google search and it came yeah. up so I can use it. It's in Google. I no. saw it on Instagram. It, it, I, I actually had to have an argument with a with a young colleague who said, but if it's on social media, you can use it. No, like, no. Um, no, you can't. <laughs> and I actually, as part of that, decided to do I, – I, this was a, at the time I was working for an architecture and interior design firm. Mm -hmm. And so they were using reference images quite a lot in presentations to clients. And I was like, okay, I need to teach all of you guys what's legal and what's not legal. Mm. 
and there is very specific rules. And so I did this big thing and they all used to call me the copyright Nazi. I love it so much. <laughs> I'm like, yes. <laughs> but I feel very strongly about it. Yeah. And I, I know that, you know, there are, there are times where you can sort of forgive someone for doing mm. something that isn't necessarily the right thing, but they're making some sort of effort yeah. to acknowledge. Yes, yes, yes. Like, for yeah. example, Instagram is a platform which does not allow you to just post other people's stuff. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. It, Facebook, if you share a post, you're sharing a post. Mm, yeah. That's perfectly legal within the parameters of, of the platform. Instagram doesn't have that. Mm. So if you start posting other people's stuff without their written permission, mm. that's mm. actually illegal. Mm. I mean, obviously we know this happens mm. daily and if someone has actually at least tagged you you kind of go, all right, that's fine. Mm, you know. yeah, Technically yeah. they're not allowed to if they haven't asked you, mm, but yeah. it's fine. Occasionally people will actually ask me. I get, I'll get i get a DM saying, hey, I really like this image. Would you mind if I shared it? And I'd be like, oh, my God, you're asking me? Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, I love you. And <laughs> exactly. Yes. Often often creators, will, if you ask them, they will let you within whatever parameters, especially if it's just like that's sharing right. it on a social exactly. media post on social media. That's right. And I, I don't have a problem with people sharing things on social media, no. even if they haven't asked, so long as they credit. Yeah. What really, really boils my blood is image un- creator oh, unknown, no. DM for credit. No, no, that's not how it works, honey. If you can't be bothered to find out who made that, don't use it. Reverse image search, people. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. Lots of tools yeah. now. It's very easy to find Yeah. Out. Yeah. Like actually make an effort, make an effort. Yeah, make an effort. You know, it's great. I mean, obviously I feel honoured if people want to share, you know, my my stuff because they love it. That's great. You know, that's really lovely. And I'm I'm not stingy. I want people to share things. But just credit me. Yeah, yeah. Just, just yeah. you know, say, this is the original poster of this information. Go on like that one And even even better, ask me if it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll always say yes, always. You know, unless you're trying to use it to promote something really horrible, yeah. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we certainly try to say where we've got our information mm. from when we are talking in the podcast. Like we do try to say uh, from Moody Moon. Yeah. Yeah, so we try to. And if we don't remember to say it during the body of the work, we do put it in. You put it in your show notes. Show notes. Yeah. Because like sometimes you do forget mm. exactly where you got some bit of information from. Of but course. Yeah. Like try, just try. Yeah, like, at all. Just try. Making an attempt. Don't, don't do this lazy, oh, credit source, Pinterest. <laughs> um, sorry. Pinterest.com. No. You might as well just say that- credit source, the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just yeah, make Access make an effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess talking about resources, hmm. what kind of like do you have favorite books, favorite decks, recommendations like recommend? for herbal books, herbal books? Oh, okay. Particularly, yeah. Now that you've said that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Where's a bit of paper? <laughs> well, apart from good old Scott Cunningham, who uh, love him, absolutely love him. You know, I have most of his books. Mm-hmm. He is unfortunately responsible for this rosemary can be used for anything statement. Oh, from him first. I have been wondering about where that came but from. I've heard that from it so did. many people. Is that not true? I know. It, look, he in, in his book, Incense, Oils and Brews, not even yep. in his herbal book, in his book, Incense, right. Oils and Brews, okay. yep. he made what, what I re- read as a bit of an offhand kind of 
comment. You know, a lot of his books are quite chatty. They're quite like in his voice. And, and he kind of went, look, you know, if in doubt, you can use Rosemary for just about anything. got to go find it now. I think I have that book somewhere. I'm going to go look at it. <laughs> and within that, that has just spread it's across like law the now. world. <laughs> it is now law that Rosemary can be used for absolutely anything. If you want to substitute, because he talks a lot about substitutions in that Incense okay. Oils and Brews yeah. book. And that's how he kind of, you know, it, it was a bit of an, because it, it does have a lot of properties, mm, mm, mm. but no more so or less so than something like bay leaves, rose yeah. petals. They all have a lot of the same properties yeah. for yeah. a lot of different purposes. Yeah. And, you know, absolutely substitution mm. in herbs is such a great thing. Yeah. You know, you, you, you can use what you have. Don't feel like you have to find hellebore to do a banishing, you can probably do it like with pepper. <laughs> exactly some some chili, some yeah. salt. For goodness sake, there's you know <laughs> maybe start with salt. Like actually, yeah, maybe you, yeah. you've you've mostly got access to it. It's not hard. <laughs> so so yeah, you know I don't know where where we started there. We were, we were talking about oh, herbal resources. Okay, yes. Yes, So yes. obviously, Scotty is is one of them. I, I mean, it, it, it's a bit difficult for me to try, try to think back now where I've got. So, I mean, obviously, a number of my go-to sort of herb books are actually more on aromatherapy, mm-hmm. but the, you know, a lot of the same information. We've got the complete guide to aromatherapy by Salvatore Battaglia. That is a really, really, really comprehensive book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patricia Davis's Aromatherapy and A to Z, also really good. I don't know if those two are still in print. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if they are, they're great. Mm-hmm. Oh, one of my favourite herbal magic books at the moment is Curative Magic Ooh, by Rachel Patterson. Pretty. Oh. Which is Guide to Self-Discovery, Care and Healing. Oh, it's fantastic. It's got a pretty cover yeah. too. Uh, you can see I've got lots of tags in it. <laughs> I, was, I was eyeing them up. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, Someone's got lots of work to do. <laughs> um, the other old school books that I really love, um, are, what's her name? Valerie Ann Warwood. She wrote three books. Again, they're aromatherapy books, but yeah. she's she's got basically one on – she's got three, one on the physical properties, one on the emotional and mental properties, and one on the more metaphysical properties of essential oils. Really great books. Really, really great books. I picked up this one recently, Herbs for Healthy Living. I actually found it in the op shop. Really great book. Ooh. Been using that as a resource. It's, again, really, really comprehensive. Mm-hmm. The other one that I find fascinating, and it's still available in print, even though it's from medieval times, Ooh. is Culpepper's Complete Herbal. Oh, yes. Yeah. Culpepper's comes up on so many yeah, podcasts, still. like when they talk about herbalism. Yeah. 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 Because a lot, of, a lot of what he talked about is still being used yeah. in the Western herbalism community. Yeah. But a lot of it is also used in yeah. magic. Yes. And there are places you can uh, look at like most of it for free, I think, online. You would, oh, you can. So, it, you know, you so can. You don't have I to mean, buy so it. so long mm. out of copyright's not funny. Mm. You can it's all, all available online, mm. absolutely. Again, I found that in an op mm. shop and I was like, "Oh my god, I have to." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the other one is Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic oh. by Catherine Ronwood. That's mm. a new one that I've purchased purchased recently. Mm-hmm. A Materia Magica of African-American conjure. Okay. So stuff that I am not, I mean, I'm not familiar with it. It's not a, not been part of my practice up until lear- starting to learn about it via 
social media and stuff now. Yeah. But that one was recommended to me by Alvine Green. It's proving to be a really fascinating resource because it doesn't just talk about herbs, but it also talks about other things like bones and chicken feathers and, you know, stones and shells and, Mm, you know, other mm, stuff. mm. Really, really interesting. Yeah, it's much more well-rounded in topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of items, I suppose, to to use in spell work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also interesting for me seeing some of the crossovers between what I'm more familiar with in the more sort of Wiccan mm-hmm. practices, which is obviously the origins of most of what I practice, and what mm. you know is happening over in the hoodoo and conjure world. It's interesting to see there's a lot of a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did do a like someone was teaching a, a like 10-week course on conjure and it was fascinating Mm. like I found it absolutely like just yeah I loved every moment of it Mm. it was really interesting yeah it's definitely something that I'm finding interesting and and just I feel lucky I suppose that we now have that access to to that information to Mm. yeah um (coughs) to see these these conjure practitioners sharing yeah what they know Mm. sharing their knowledge it's amazing Yeah, cool. And what about decks? Any any mm. any decks that Ooh, you're decks? Okay, so as far as tarot decks go, I do have a few favourites. Yep. Mm-hmm. Being a cat lover, naturally, the Tarot of Pagan yep. Cats is uh, one yeah. of my faves. <laughs> yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do still use my Rider Waite Smith, which I bought when I was sixteen. Oh, cool. Yay. It'd have to be imbued so, with so much power now if you've used it for that long. It, it's amazing. Yeah. It feels like an old yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you pick it up and it's it just I know that yeah. deck intimately. Yeah. I love my Druid Craft Tarot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. I get really great readings from that. The other one I get really, really, really lovely, gentle, positive readings from is my Everyday Witch Tarot. Other people have said same kind of thing. My it's everyday it's yeah. a it's a really yeah, gentle yeah, yeah. deck. Okay. As far as Oracle decks, oh, so many, so many. Two of my faves at the moment, but one in particular, both by Wendy Matthew Andrew. Sorry, mm-hmm. getting myself confused with um, musicians here. Uh, yes. Is the <laughs> Goddess Love Oracle and the Goddess Dream Oracle. Oh. But the Goddess Love Oracle is my hug deck. Uh, yeah. If I need emotional support from my cards, this yep. is my go-to. It's it, it's beautiful, and the illustrations are incredible. Uh, she's got a, a, an Instagram account too, and it's just gorgeous. One I received very recently in a subscription box was this real cutie, the Forest Fay Oracle uh, deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so cute. It's just adorable. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Are you like us, where you collect decks because you just love yeah. the images? Like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hello, <laughs> artist problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also. Paid an exorbitant amount of money for a indie deck that is way too large for my hands to play with, but it is one <laughs> of the most beautiful decks ever, and that is the Living Altar deck. Oh, um, I think it all up when I by the time exchange rates and postage was about one hundred and sixty bucks. Uh, I know it's the I, most expensive deck I've ever bought. Seriously, some of the ones on Kickstarter, like I bought the RuPaul. <laughs> drag queen tarot. Oh, did you? Yeah. And I've got the Love second it. edition coming. 
But like That's I did, so I cool. seriously spent like 140 bucks by the time you throw in postage and stuff. I know. By the time you put in the postage, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit of a killer. And then wait like yeah. two years for it to get to you. Yeah. <laughs> Another one that I love is Stephen Farmer's Earth Magic Oracle. That's just really lovely too. I've got oh. two copies of that because I the first copy I bought turned out to be a dodgy Chinese piece uh. of shit. So you know you make these mistakes, and I and so I was like, I feel like I have to buy the original now because of I don't course. want to be taking that. You know, yeah, money, money from, from the actual yeah. creator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love a person that loves copyright. Yeah, I, I, I keep the dodgy one on my desk at work, and I have my my proper one at home. So yeah, you know, I get to have it in two places. Oh, I love that you have your decks at work. Yeah. Uh, do people I do. at work know that you're? Oh yeah, they well they don't know I'm a witch. Yeah. Um it's not something that I've discussed. I've had. Yeah. I, previous workplaces where that's not been even something that I worried about and mm-hmm. have been able to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My current workplace, I don't feel comfortable. They're fairly conservative, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know I know that my – I think my boss has a bit of an inkling, but she's pretty – She's pretty open and, and, you know, accepting mm. and I yeah. don't think she'd have a problem with it at all. I think, you know, there are people within the business that's very sort of middle-aged white men – Yes, yeah. Who might, you know, probably would, wouldn't be m- more, would be more of just the sort of ridicule, yeah. you're a freak kind of. Yeah. Rather than the fear mm. response you get from some yeah, some people. Mm. So it's not something that I've talked about. But if anyone came up and said, hey, are you a witch? I'd be like, well, duh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, did you really not realise with all the bottles of essential oil and the crystals and the... <laughs> Tarodex on my well, duh. I just thought you liked new age woo woo stuff, <laughs> which is, I think, what mostly people think. Yeah, um, yeah. I, <laughs> the CEO of the company, came over to my desk one day, and as I said, I got crystals all over my desk, and he puts his hands out near them, and he goes, "Ooh, feeling the energies." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm just like, that's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you. That's good. <laughs> This one's very calming. Maybe you should carry this one yeah. with you. <laughs> Please take this piece of white howlite and chill the fuck out. Just bring it back at the end of the day. I'll need to cleanse that. I definitely think that that's um, something that's probably changed, which is one of the reasons why your brother didn't know for so long was that you just, you just didn't talk about this stuff. Oh, no started. way. Yeah. No way. I mean, you know, none of the workplaces in my 20s would I have ever, ever mentioned it. Yeah. My friends mostly knew back mm. then. Yeah. And some of them thought, oh, it's a bit mm. weird, but you know, <laughs> she is a bit weird, so that's okay. <laughs> <You know>? uh, <laughs> but, yeah, now I think it's, it, you know, there's a lot more acceptance. I mean, I, if I had a colleague actually who moved house that they she and her partner bought a house um a few months Mm. ago and she came to me and she said oh I really want to like kind of sage cleanse the house can you help me because obviously you know I'm the person to ask yeah Yeah, yeah. and I said oh yeah I'll put something together for you and I actually made up her up a kit of um you know a floor wash and some um cleanse you know smoke cleansing bundles and a little bit of a Uh how-to She was like, "Oh my god, these are amazing! You should sell them." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love that. That is awesome that people 
come to you and yeah 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 cool. it's funny they've done that in, in a lot of workplaces because they see the weird where we shit in my desk because yeah. I can't help but like just m- sort of nest wherever I am and <laughs> have you know, my stuff around me <laughs> I just I can't I can't not do it there's you know I have colleagues who have absolutely nothing on their desk and I'm like how though yeah <laughs> how do you how do you sit there at this blank space I don't understand <laughs> we're definitely being encouraged to depersonalize at work at the moment oh, really? and it's like okay. I don't want to. I know. I, the, I, the idea for me of businesses that do that whole hot desking thing yeah, no. That's horrifies we're me. Yeah. We're starting to do that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. It's I proven just... not to work. They've studied it. It doesn't oh, it work unless you really yeah. have to. Yeah. Exactly. The same as open plan offices are not as effective no. as you know, individual offices. Yeah. It is only effect- – The only and I know this because I'm in the property industry. Mm. The only reason that it is – considered the to go go to thing is to do with return on investment on net letable area it's money money. so if you can fit this many tenancies in a building because they don't all have individual offices you're going to earn more money simple as that yeah if anything sounds like a stupid idea and taking advantage of people it's usually because of money yeah you're right there on that note Shall we wrap it up? <laughs> it's been an excellent idea. interview. I've had a great time. I've loved, me too. I've, loved I've this really chat. enjoyed myself. I oh, love good. chatting about all things witchy because I don't get to do it often enough. So thank you very much for having me. Um, I, I feel quite humbled that you asked me to come on your show. So thank you. We just love talking with everyday people. Yeah. Like it's just, you know, this is where magic happens. Yeah. So Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, so if people wanted to find you, are you findable online? I am findable online. None of my handles actually match up, so they're all different. It's great. I forethought <laughs> they're not. So um, I'm on Instagram at Corrigan Moon Leopard and on YouTube at Corrigan the Crone and I'm on Etsy at Corrigan Creations. Perfect. Yay. And I'll put them in the show notes as well. So Lovely. Yes, thank you yes, so thank much. You. We've 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 loved yes. it, loved every second of it. So thank yeah. you. And um, and if you would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us. We would absolutely love to hear from you because we do love talking yeah. with witches, or even if you're pagan yes. or some other branch under that giant umbrella, we would really like to talk to you. If there's any anyone out there who is into hoodoo or conjure. Both of us are quite interested in that at the moment. So if there's anyone out there who'd like to talk about their practice of those things, we're particularly interested. But anyone who has any kind of pagan practices, we'd like to talk to. Particularly if you're from America, that would be yeah, like awesome. Someone who's from the conjure that would be really yeah. cool. We like we we the the podcast we we try to do Australian stuff because there's not a lot for or by Australians. That I found the problem there might be, but um, yeah, we it's not exclusive. It's we t- we'll talk to anyone, basically. <laughs> we'll talk, to, we'll talk anyone. to anyone. We're very friendly. And if that doesn't sell you to us, yeah. then uh- <laughs> I know that was yeah. It's 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 it's. If you would like to talk to us and you're from not Australia, we're still very happy to talk to you. Yeah, so get in and if you have a sexy accent to boot, well, we might not talk much, and we'll just make you talk. So sorry. Yeah, we'll just listen. Yeah. We'll just ask you questions that have really open-ended Yeah, so you'll just keep talking yeah. and we can listen to yeah. your awesome accent. Perfect. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up for this. 
All right. Well, if you would like to reach out to us, mm. you can find us on Instagram at witchy.bites. Mm-hmm. We are on Facebook at Witchy Bites Podcast. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at witchy.bites at outlook.com. We also have a PO box if you want to write us a traditional letter. It's GPO Box 93, Hobart, Tasmania, Australia, 7001 for the postcode. We will catch you at the next one. Yay, bye everyone. Bye.